What is up? It is Worldview Wednesday. This is the Think Podcast. And man, I don't know how to do an introduction in this in this uh, environment. Looking at each other face to face. Yeah, this is weird. We've man. only started this since COVID, and at least Worldview Wednesday since yes. COVID began. And yes. This is the first time we're actually in the same place. I feel like I need to just put like a, a window here so it looks like you're on the screen. Mm. Um, but uh, we're coming at you live in. 3D, at least for us right now. This is the Think Podcast Worldview Wednesday. I'm Joel. I'm Pastor Ray. And we've got a new setup today because I am actually live in the South Loop here in Chicago. And um, it's kind of a fitting place for us to be because things could look very different here tomorrow. <laughs> Unfortunately. They could. Um, Lord willing, they won't. But uh, I don't want right. to overdo it. But Lord willing, they won't. Right. We're going to pray for for uh, strong angels. Hey, by the way, I'm looking at the screen right now. You're going to want to lean forward a little bit. We're well, still getting used to this. I'm also looking at the screen. I'm seeing this side of my head. I got a new haircut yesterday, and they uh, it looks like they didn't blend it quite as well. Yes. So there you go. It's more trendy than I expected it to be. But well, that's good, man. That's fun good. watching yourself on video. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I just derailed us. Go. No, no, no. It's good because here we are in the South Loop. And um, first of all, let's just say this. We're, we're using a, a different microphone. We're using one microphone to pick us both up. And we've got this camera set up. We've got everything. We're, we're in the, the, our new studio space. And if you can hear us, if you can see us, just drop a comment. Let us know you can hear us. Let us know you can see us. And uh, share that in the comments. Um, but the reason I say things could look a little different here tomorrow is because we're in this space that's got these big, beautiful plate glass windows. And uh, here we are in the South Loop of Chicago. And this, we're praying not, we're praying for, um, we're praying for order, we're praying for peace, but this could be a sort of ground zero for what could be happening tonight. And um, that is the city of Chicago is bracing itself for yet another round of protests, of riots potentially, and potential looting. And that is because today, what, a couple hours ago, if yeah, that? Not, not even, a few, like maybe one or hour and a half ago. Yes. The verdict came in on the Breonna Taylor case. This is the um, this is the woman who was uh, very tragically killed by police officers. Um, she was with her boyfriend at the time. And the police officers who were responsible for her death have been on trial. And the verdict came in. We're going to talk about that. But needless to say, there are going to be many people who are very dissatisfied with that result. And what we want to talk about today. Oh, and so because of that, there's the potential, high potential, actually. Um, although, again, we're praying not for a very violent conflagration as a response. So we are we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be discussing really this big question. Should Christians ever riot? And what is the biblical teaching on law and order, on government? When do we obey? When do we when do we not? And uh, the reason why this is such a a hot topic, well, for Christians, the reason why this is so poignant is because some of our heroes of the faith are those who didn't exactly uphold the law at all times. So we're going to talk about some of those examples, and we're, and we're going to discuss. And I, I would say at this point, I've got an idea of where I think we're going to go with this. Mm -hmm. But I'm very interested to hear your thoughts because you just taught, you just did a sermon on Romans 13. Yeah. So tell us about it. Yeah. I mean, so here's where this whole conversation is. Um, 
I think requires unbelievable wisdom mm. in extraordinary times. Yeah. And I think maybe that's maybe the best way to explain where I'm probably gonna be coming at this from. Uh, we've got Romans 13, and Romans 13 is one of the primary passages in the New Testament that talks about uh, the role of government, what the government's purpose is, why God has given us government in mm -hmm. this fallen world that we live in. Uh, Romans 13, one to seven, I just spent two weeks preaching through this uh, with another pastor of ours here at Park. And, uh, and what I tried to equip our folks to understand is that government is not some cosmic accident. If we want to understand, right. do we as Christians have the right to uh, not just protest, but actually to use force and violence, if we're going to approach that question, uh, first of all, there's an easy answer to it. <laughs> but secondly, we've got to actually know what God's idea for government is. One of the key passages is Romans 13, 1 to 7. Let me just read a bit of this to us. And we've talked about this often on this show, but so this, yeah. should, this should be familiar territory for most of our listeners. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Now, pause there. Remember, Paul's writing to uh, Christians in Rome underneath a quite tyrannical government at times. Yes. Now, with that said, they yes. were in the middle of the Pax Romana. It Thank was a you. great season of, in terms of, you look at the fullness of the Roman Empire, they were in a season of, on the whole, it was pretty much as good as it got. It was like the United States in like 2000. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. My, my pastor in 2000. Were you a Christian in 2000? Yeah. Okay. No. Nope. No. Wait, 2000. I became a Christian when I was 18. 2000. No. So like right around then. Yeah. Or no, after that. It would have been after then. that. After yeah. Then. Yeah. So I remember our pastor at Wheaton Evangelical Free Church. Lou Diaz was his name. He said, we are in a Pax Americana. Hmm. I remember him specifically saying that. And it was, it was, you know what? It was between 98 and 2000. Let's say it was somewhere in there. Okay. And then of course the next year, 2001, the Twin Towers fell right. due to uh, Muslim terrorism, Islamic terrorism, the, or government conspiracy. Um, the, don't, we're not promoting We're not going to do that. We're not going there. That's not I don't believe going. that. I don't believe that. Some of you do, and I was throwing you some red. Joel, meat. we were just praying. Lord, wait, may you not allow either of us to put our foot in our mouth That's like true. Peter had a tendency That's to do it. I you. have a tendency to put my foot in my mouth. So. Thank you. I must right, have go. tuned out that part of the prayer. Go. So um, since that time, it's been very – you can't say we've had a, po a Pax Americana because there's been the war on terror. Right. There's been the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. There's been ISIS. There's been conflict. Now there's this escalating conflict right. with China and potentially a, a, a looming conflict at least, an ideological right. conflict. I don't want to say civil war, but something is brewing here in the United States. Right. Barring the, Certainly the a great division. God. Certainly a, a great clarity division. on the division that either pre-existed or it's just being multiplied right now. A great division's occurring. Correct. So Paul is writing Romans 13 at a time when there is that peace, sort of, it's almost a calm before the storm. Christians are experiencing relative peace and security. Right. Yes? Yeah. On you know, the whole. Okay. Okay. So then, on the whole. With that said, I mean, to compare the Roman government to the American government is just, I mean, it, it's very difficult to right. do. The authority that the Roman government had to permit injustices. Yes. I mean, you got things like the gladiator games going on. You got things like uh, just just terrible atrocities, uh, which we also have underneath. We have atrocities underneath our current government as well. Yeah. However, I would say there's been great progress since those were days of Rome. Amen. So, with that said, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So, big picture, what this passage passage is going to teach is that every authority, both good and bad. Mm -hmm. No matter who you are at any time point, both the authorities we all know about and the authorities we don't know about, 
the states we know about, the states we don't know about, every governmental leader has been put in place by God. And and what's important to realize about that, and what I dealt with on Sunday, the, the immediate question that comes to mind is, what about bad government? Right. You look at someone like a Hitler or a Stalin, and you yeah. say, are we supposed to believe that God put him in charge? Or, or Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un. You look at some yeah. of these. Xi Jinping in China. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. And so the question then becomes, did God put them there? And the answer, according to Romans 13, is yes, God puts every government in order. Right. And God oversees the end of that government when they store up wrath as, as a result of their disobedience. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's the two points to this. Yeah. God both oversees the uh, institution of their governing authority, which is and they're to serve as God's deacon, overseeing mm-hmm. justice for, upon the evildoer, creating a just society, and we can talk about the purpose of government. Mm-hmm. But then also when they fail, when they institute laws that are against God's design, when they establish injustice as the law of the land, when they just frankly, guys like, you know, you look at some of this stuff, they just go out and they commit murder. Yeah. What they're doing yeah. is storing up wrath, ultimately, which has God's judgment that comes upon it. And we know that, and this is important, we know that in this country. This is not just some Old Testament thing. And I quoted from Isaiah 10 on Sunday, great passage to understand this. Mm-hmm. But we know that in American history, America uh, practiced chattel slavery, human chattel slavery yeah. for years in the foundation yeah. of our country. And what did God do about it? We had we had every opportunity to repent. We had every opportunity to change the law as they did in Britain. They legally found a way to get it done. Did we do it? No. And what ended up happening was God's judgment, the Civil War, one of the bloodiest wars in movie history. So let's let's make that point. That's the premise that we're working on. Yeah. So so that's a powerful point, man, because the like Abe Lincoln recognized that Abe Lincoln didn't become a Christian until halfway through his presidency. Mm -hmm. Um, But what he said was if if every drop of blood drawn by the lash, I, I should some, someone maybe see if you can find the quote. But if every drop of blood drawn by the lash of this, you know, the slave master needs to be atoned for through, you know, a blood, uh, a drop of blood from an American soldier, you know, basically like so be it. But like he recognized, not that he was pro-war or anything yeah. like that, but he recognized that there was a spiritual reality underlying the physical reality of the war and that God was not mocked. And you don't, you don't, you don't attempt to mock God by marring his image bearers and enslaving them under brutal circumstances, chattel slavery, right? Refuse to repent and think that God's just going to let you off the hook for that. Right. By the way, I got the quote here from Lincoln. He says, uh, so Lincoln suggests that the death and destruction wrought by the war, civil war was divine retribution to the U S for possessing slavery, saying that God may will that the war continue. Here's the quote, until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword. Right. Man, oh man. Yeah. So, so now, um, so you, the, the question though is you look at Romans 13, if that's the establishment, mm-hmm. the command in Romans 13 is to be subject to the governing authorities. Yeah. The challenge is, the challenge becomes, is there ever reason to not be subject, right? And is what we're experiencing right now, and what's taking place on the street in terms of looting, mm-hmm. is that an example of justifiable right. rebelling against the commands of Romans thirteen? Right. That's so, the premise. So, is it okay to rebel against the law and the government God has put in, in place? And then, specifically, so that's sort of the general principle. Specifically, is what we've seen since basically June one, with all the writing and and looting. Pro- and on a, a less violent scale, the protesting mm-hmm. is that an example of what would be justified. So you mentioned something before we got started, 
you mentioned someone that we would both look up to as yeah. a hero, um, a hero of the faith, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Right. Now, he, here's a guy, very interesting. This is a guy who, well, t- tell us about him. Why, why, why did you bring him up as an example? Well, there's there's two guys I brought up, Bonhoeffer oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and William Wilberforce. Right. So Bonhoeffer is one of my all-time heroes. So and if you never read a chance, here's a free shout out to Eric Metaxas. If you haven't had a chance to read Metaxas' bi- biography on Bonhoeffer, yeah. pick up a copy. It'll encourage you in your faith. Yeah, but don't ride by on your bike yelling the F word around Eric Metaxas. Did you <laughs> see that? No. You didn't see what he did? No. I don't know if we should say. It. I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> if you know, you know. It's funny. You got to. Okay, this is video of. It's pretty. It's pretty wild. Well, Metaxas is the the sharpest wit I've ever seen on a human being, and so I imagine it was pretty funny. Uh, he didn't use his wit. Okay, you'll see. All right. Well, anyways, I'll have to look at that. Yeah. Grateful for uh, what Metaxas does. Anyways, yeah. Bonhoeffer. Uh, Bonhoeffer was a World War II, a guy in World War II time period, German. Uh, amazing theologian just yes. wrote some great rich theology yes and earlier on I wouldn't I don't know if I call him a pacifist hmm. um, as you define his theology but right. certainly he was um, he was more of a stay out of it mentality the war was beginning to brew Nazis were beginning to take over he had more of a stay out of it mentality and he had this great conviction through a conversation with his sister one day that it wasn't enough for Christians to stay out of such evil. They couldn't just say, I want someone else to take care of the problem mm-hmm. and then not get their hands dirty with it. And that conviction led Bonhoeffer to essentially participate in one of the one of the many, mm-hmm. but one of the most famous assassination attempts on, on Hitler's life. He wasn't right. the hand that dropped the bomb right. uh, that tried to take him out, which is an amazing story, by the way, because somehow Hitler survived without a scratch, a bomb that went off is that right? at his feet. It literally was on the other side of the, the table. That was the whole plot. Tom Cruise made a movie about this plot. Um, yeah, he made that. That was the Bonhoeffer plot. Okay. And and many people in the room died, were blown up. Hitler got a scratch. It's Jeez. one of those creepy moments in history. However, Bonhoeffer is amazing because he had this deep, profound faith that ultimately led him to look at an evil like Hitler and mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Not on my watch. Yeah. And he saw himself as partially responsible to end the tyrannical, maniacal reign of Hitler. Mm-hmm. And so he yes. was part of that plot. Right. And and so, you know, when we read Romans 13 and we read 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, which is another one of these passages that we can rightfully point to on what the Christian's attitude should be towards government. It says, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Sorry, right before that, he says, be subject to the for the Lord's sake to every human institution, which, by the way, that would include your HOA, your condo association. Sure. That would include, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, whether it be- Abide to, by the law. Yes, the emperor as supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Right in this, in this sentence, you've got the purpose of the governor, so, that's why Pritzker is there. Mm-hmm. That's why Lori Lightfoot is there. She's supposed to do good. Uh, sorry, she's supposed to punish those who do evil and praise those who, who do good. And in that same breath, we've got Paul saying, this should be the Christian's attitude. Right. Submit yourselves. Subordinate yourselves. Recognize your, your rightful position right. underneath. Now, as Americans, that's tough for us because we see power as being derived from the people. Yeah. But once that power is in place, that power does, does have the ability to govern our lives, right. rightfully speaking. Right. Now, you got a guy like Bonhoeffer, who he's, I haven't read a ton on Bonhoeffer, but there's a biblical principle here. I have not read, I have Metaxas's book sitting on my shelf. I should slap you right now. You really should. I should. And we're in person, so you could, <laughs> so please don't. But 
uh, he he. Um, That's like a major sin in my book. I, I can't that, believe I work alongside you. I heard that Metaxas was sloppy with his. I heard that he evangelized him. I heard the same thing. Read the book. Okay, get I prefer to, I prefer to make my judgments based on the cover. Okay, go. Um, I do the same with you. Uh, so. I don't even know what that means. Well, you're white. You got white privilege. Um, you're uh, what's your uh, stop? We'll talk, stop. we'll talk another time. Rewind. We'll talk another time. Listen, we're, we're still getting used to being in person. I gotta tell you, I gotta, I've got a natural filter that's there when the screen is okay. Is let, let, let me get us back here a little bit. But so, Bonhoeffer, real Bonhoeffer. quick, real quick. Bonhoeffer recognized that the purpose of government was to do good, was to actually enforce justice, was to enforce um, the rule of law. And justice, now here's the thing, justice and government are not synonymous. The state is supposed to be God's instrument right. of justice, but we don't believe that everything that the government does is by definition just. Right. That would be some sort of arbitrary, um, you know, that in a dictatorship, that's sort of what's taught. But according to Proverbs 21.15, it says this, when justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. Now think about that for a second, because you could apply that top down. You could say the government is there to do justice, which ought to be, you know, uh, terrible for child pornographers and carjackers and, you know, bank robbers, evildoers like that. But justice cuts both ways, doesn't it? Right. So if you're a tyrant, then when justice is done, the Nuremberg trials, for example, where they tried all, tried all the Nazis, that is a terror to evildoers, regardless of whatever power you may have possessed. Right. Because if you're doing injustice and you're doing evil from a position of power, your position of power does not make you right. Might does not make right in God's system of justice. Right. So Bonhoeffer's looking at this and he's he's viewing justice blindly as justice ought to be viewed impartially and blindly. And he's saying, at this point, Hitler has abrogated the loyalty that we may have owed him if we and that's, you know, that would have right. been scanty to begin with if it ever was there. Because of his injustice, he has placed himself in the evildoer category and justice now needs to be done. We're going to go, um, we're going to, we're going to do justice Ehud style. Right. You know about Ehud. Oh yeah. The judge who. Right. Who got, that, uh, so here's name? what gets interesting. So first of all, let, let, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to pose a question to Please. you based on what you just said, but yeah. let me, let me give us some Bible just base. I'm a Please. pastor. I want us to be rooted in the word of God, cool. right? So a couple of things. There's some principles Christians ought to work up. Here's some basic ones, but a work towards protests, right? Proverbs 15, one, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Yeah. The, the follower of Christ should be very much prone towards gentleness and meekness. Yeah. <laughs> that does not mean wimpiness. It does not mean clarity. It does not mean attacking sin directly, right. but definitely the way of Christ, what we learn, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, is that there's a slowness to anger that the Christian should have about them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you see that lived out in a guy like Bonhoeffer for sure. There was a yeah. long on-ramp as he developed an understanding of what was taking place. His eyes were more and more open to the evils and atrocities that were taking up place around him. Yeah. And he tried uh, tried to end it. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Again, same principle here. We're slow to anger. What about riots? Listen to this one, Proverbs 25, 15. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, mm. and a soft tongue will break a bone. The point there is that you go to the governor with riots, 
you're probably not going to accomplish what you were trying to get done. Mm -hmm. Basically, all you're doing is you're going to get him to bring out his force, which inevitably, which inevitably is going to be bigger than yours, mm -hmm. and you're not going to accomplish anything. However, persistence usually works very well, Proverbs 25, 15. Now, what about protests? Do we see anything about protests in the New Testament? Interestingly, here's what we see. A handful of times when it was tried to get done, you look at Peter when he when Jesus was getting arrested, Peter pulls out a sword yeah. and, and swipes at the arresting authorities, essentially trying to begin in some ways a bit of a riot. Sure, sure. I wouldn't call that a protest, would you? No, no, not a protest. Okay. I apologize. But in the moment, he essentially uses violence as yes. a means to get out of this situation and, and take down the, the governing authorities. Jesus immediately stops him. Yes. Jesus, that's not that's not how I'm going to do this. He put the ear, the guy's ear back. He put the on. ears back, and yeah, yeah. ear okay. back. Okay, we do need to differentiate here, because what 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 some will come back and say is what Peter was doing was violence against an individual. What these riots are doing out here is they're only harming property, and they say that that's by definition then therefore nonviolence. Now they've 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 redefined violence to mean, oh, I can burn down this building, sure. destroy a guy's livelihood, destroy his home. That's somehow not. Can we just address that? Really? Yeah. So basically, Acts seventeen five. So here's a situation. Uh, here's from Acts 17.5. The Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of rabble, they formed a mob, mm -hmm. set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason. Okay. There right. we go. Basically, right. that's what we're talking about right sure, now. Sure, sure, sure. Attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Yes. Uh, but then what happens is the town clerk comes along and says, hey, you guys, you're in danger of starting a riot. And everyone, and, and even, even the non-Christians governor that was there in terms mm -hmm. of what we understand mm -hmm. is saying this is not good paul is in no way advocating for a, the protest or for a riot or anything like right, that right. every time you see a protest or a riot taking place in the new testament it's usually against the christians <laughs> yeah right. that's what's happening right. they're writing against the work of paul they're writing against the work of peter mm. um and then uh peter and paul are then using diplomacy and using yeah. level-headedness yeah. and using logic and conversation yeah. to try to bring about peace and restore order. Which is the same thing that happened in Ju uh, Judges 19.22. All the men of the tribe of Benjamin surround this guy's house. You can go back and read the story. And uh, there's there's a man staying there with his concubine. The men of Benjamin surround this guy's house. Mm -hmm. And the owner of the house comes out and says, no, my brothers, do not do this wicked thing. After all, this man is a guest of my house. They uh, do not commit this outrage, um, they actually wanted to have sexual relations with this guy. I preached this sermon about a year and a half, but that was a fun one. Did Go you ahead. really? Yeah. Oh, boy. In, in Judges? Uh-huh. Okay, so now the, the ironic thing about that is it's really it's a recapitulation of what happened in Genesis 19 right. where the men of Sodom surrounded Lot's home to try, again, to have sexual relations with the two angels because right. they didn't know they were angels. They thought they were men. But here you've got a riot. Now, this is in the pre-Christian era, so it wouldn't be right to say that this is a riot against Christians. But it was a riot against a uh, you know Lot being a holy man, the angels being holy. So you've clearly got two sides here. You've got the side of order, the side of of rightness. Not that Lot was a perfect saint all of his days, but um, but then you've got the side of chaos and the side of um, what would we call that? Uh, it's 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 sort of this um, uh, up. Uprising, rebellion, sort of this mass. It's a mob is what it is. Right. And so when you're looking in scripture, you're not going to see Christians on the on the rioting side. Right. You're, you're not. Right. Now, that doesn't that's descriptive, but we need something prescriptive to say, OK, not only so, do you not see that, but you shouldn't <laughs> see that. So here's two questions. Is there ever a time 
to disregard, this is the Bonhoeffer question, to disregard governing authorities and to do the opposite of what they tell you to do. Well, we got one example that, that's a clear one that usually gets brought up at this point, Acts 5. So in Acts chapter 5, okay. the leaders, the authorities come to Peter and they say in Acts 5.28, we strictly charge you, ah, do not teach in this name. Thank so you. So do not teach in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Yet here, you fill Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Yeah. And then what does Peter say? Oh, man, you got to love Peter here. <laughs> this is just boldness and courage. Yes. He says, we must obey God rather than men. Amen. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Talk about bold, bold proclamation. You killed the you Lord. You killed by yeah. hanging him on a tree. Yeah. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Yes. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit yes. whom God's given to those who obey him. What's happening here is that a breach has been made. Mm -hmm. The governing authorities have put Peter in prison for preaching the name of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And now Romans 13, 1 if you if there's there's no nothing else and all you got is Romans 13 1 you might say well you just have to submit you have to right. do what they say don't right. preach the name of Jesus yeah. but what we have here is we have a governing authority who's overstepped their bounds and are now trying to tell the church what they can and cannot do mm -hmm. that doesn't work that, it, that that separate realms of authority you've Amen. got the state you've got the church you've got the family and they, they, they are not to be overmingled like this mm -hmm. and in that situation because the state has overstepped their bounds now Peter comes along and says, <laughs> I got to obey God on this one rather than man. Yeah. Specifically as it relates to the preaching of the name of Jesus Christ. Do you want to play that clip from your sermon? I've got I've got it. It's from September 20th, right? Yeah, you got to find the, the spot. I've got, okay, you don't know exactly where that spot is. Uh, I mean, I, if I was on my computer, I'd be able to find it quickly. About three quarters of the way through. Okay. Um, right. But here's the question I have for you. Well, tell us about it. Yeah. Well, well the, the, the point I'm making there is that when we think of government, the scriptures talk about at least three forms of government. Mm -hmm. we, we're talking today about the government of the state. Correct. Romans 13, 1 is talking about the state government. It's talking about governing authorities. But there's other governing authorities, right? Mm -hmm. I'm an elder of my church. I'm pastor of my church. That makes me a governing authority Correct. of my church. Yes. And I have particular powers invested in me as an elder in my church. Mm -hmm. The power to oversee the congregation, to preach the word of God, to oversee communion and baptism, uh, excommunication from the church. Mm -hmm. These are things that the governing authorities of the church does. If the church tried to come in, or I'm sorry, if the state, that governing authority, mm -hmm. tried to come to me as a church and say, here's like what's happening in China. Mm -hmm. Here's what you can and can't preach. Here's what you can and can't say about Jesus. Here's what you can and can't say about the Communist Party. Mm -hmm. Me as a Christian pulls up Acts chapter 5 and says, I got, I'm going to have to go with obeying God on this one. Yeah. Because you don't have, you might think you have the authority to say this, but you actually have no authority. Mm -hmm. Because the only authority you have has been given you by God on high. Yeah. Um, now, here's the question I have for you, Joel. Those who are protesting, are rioting, mm -hmm. would make the claim that they're in a situation where the government has unjustly put them in a situation where the only way to move forward yeah. is like Bonhoeffer did. Yeah, right, right. So walk, walk me through that. How as a Christian do I... If, it, if we're saying here today, and by the way, my personal opinion with Bonhoeffer, I love the man... I'm, I'm still lost on what he did. Lost, in, not in the sense I disagree with it, but lost in the sense of after studying his life, that was a man who deeply wrestled with God yeah. and sought wisdom from the Holy Spirit as he tried to figure out, what do I do with Hitler? Right. This was not an easy decision. This was a man who labored painstakingly in prayer with God and came to hard convictions. Yeah. 
So walk me through, if, it, if we say it was okay for him, where is the line and how do we speak to those who feel like it's the same type of situation sure. happening than out here? And I'm literally I'm pointing to my street yeah. where this might be happening yeah. in five hours. Pray for Chicago. So tell and, me. And other major cities. Help me walk through that. That's a wisdom piece. I wanna, I'm want i picking your brain. What do you think on that? All right. So, so man, such a good question. And, and on the surface of it, seems like a very valid point. Okay. God is good. God is on the side of the oppressed. God is always against unjust oppression, right? So it, it seems like, man, if I'm opposing unjust oppression, God's on my side. I mean, look at... Um, you know, look at look at judges when God raised up a judge to overthrow the occupying nation. Right. Right. Um, or in the intertestamental period. I mean, Judas Maccabeus uh, kicked the Greeks out and and uh, and you know, overthrew them. The Greeks were the occupying oppressors. It's like, man, is that something that God values? Is that is that does that make us on God's side? Well, here's the thing. Um, in first of all, God is not just good and and kind god is a just god mm -hmm. and justice biblically speaking means everybody gets what's coming to them mm -hmm. so that's what a lot of people don't understand about justice nowadays the word justice has been twisted and so a lot of times justice means always uh, ultimately amounts to favoritism yeah and can i pause you right there yeah, yeah, yeah. just a quick side point yeah. if you're watching this you're trying to understand how to do worldview analysis yeah. one of the first things you got to realize is you must define your terms thank you and when, when, you, when we're working on two different definitions of justice, which inevitably the Christian is working on a different definition of justice mm -hmm. than anyone who's not a follower of Christ, yeah. then we're, we end up talking past each other. You've got to define your terms. Keep going. Yeah, so justice is not the same thing as mercy. It's not the same thing automatically as supporting the poor. In fact, the Bible says don't show favoritism to the poor. It also says don't show favoritism to the rich right. because there's been plenty of societies where they've done that. They're both that's, that's both wrong. Biblically speaking, the reason why we stand up for the rights of the oppressed is because the oppressed, by definitions, are having their rights denied to them. So you could have two different poor people. One could be poor through oppression. One could be poor because he made a lot of bad decisions. Only one of those needs to have their rights defended. Both deserve mercy because they're made in the image of God. We should serve both. You understand what I'm saying? Right. But only one of those, you could take a legal case against someone or you know fight against their oppression because they're both not the same. We don't look at outcomes. We look at the whole situation. We don't look just at outcomes. Interesting. Let me just pause there for a second okay. and think, because I'm processing what I hear you saying, and yeah. I, I'm agreeing largely with it. However, when it comes to, and this is where I think we have to make sure we, we separate in a sense, not a full separation, but there are differences when we talk about personal ethics and governmental responsibilities. Yeah. The Sermon on the Mount is not the United States of America's playbook. Correct. Right? That's that's the follower of Christ as they walk with God. Yeah. When I think about uh, what you just said about the differences of how different people might become fall into poverty. Mm -hmm. There's so, man, oh man, I mean, it, we could talk about that forever. And yeah. there are very real, uh, very real issues that need to be deal, dealt with that cause generational poverty and yeah. generational wealth. I mean, th yeah. those are real things. The follower of Christ or the follower of Yahweh, let's go to the Old Testament. I think of a guy like Boaz. Mm -hmm. Boaz was not necessarily concerned with figuring out why a person was in the situation they were in. Correct. He was concerned with making sure that he followed God's law, which said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cut down the edges of my field. Yeah. I'm gonna leave it so that whoever needs it can come in and get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he didn't take, he didn't become judge. And that worked out pretty well for him, too. It worked out very well for him. Yeah. <laughs> but but here's the point. He didn't become judge. Yeah. 
he he labored to follow Christ's commands, to follow right. the, the law of the land, right. and that meant he needed to show absolute love as he looked out on folks. So I just want to make sure folks are hearing that as you talk through this. So that's so that's good. So we got to start to bring this to a close. But here's here's what I want to say: God is a, a good God, and God specifically condemns the idea of doing evil so that good may result. And uh, you can go to Romans chapter three, verse five. Now, in in context, Paul is saying. Our God forgives our sin. God gives us grace when we sin. When we sin, that increases God's grace. That increases God's goodness. God brings about a good result. But does that mean that our sin is somehow good? No. It means God is good. We are bad. It should highlight the contrast between us and God. Verse 5 says this, but if our unrighteousness highlights the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unjust to inflict his wrath on us? I'm speaking in human terms. Certainly not. In that case, how could God judge the world? Verse 7, however, if my falsehood accentuates God's truthfulness to the increase of his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim we say, let us do evil that good may result? Paul doesn't even give that a refutation. He simply says their condemnation is deserved. So for the Apostle Paul, speaking, God speaking through Paul here, because this is the inspired scripture. As Christians, we believe that. Breathed out by God. The idea that we could do evil in the name of good, that we could commit injustice in the name of uh, uh, protesting injustice, that we could harm innocent people in the name of standing up for the rights of innocent people, that is a condemnatory, that is a right. damnable idea. Right. So here's the, the difference. And the way I've said that, just to give short, memorable phrase to that, mm -hmm. I do not believe that sin is a means Christians use to attain their ends. Amen. We, Amen. We, we, there's a lot of ends we seek after. Yeah. Yeah. And the methodology whereby we go to get to it is never sin. We right. don't break God's commands in order to get God's kingdom. Amen. Amen. Uh, so taking out a tyrant, fighting a revolutionary war. Oh, we didn't even get to the revolutionary We didn't get there. War. But I'm going to tell you this. I would view those as being much more in line with the book of Judges, mm. which was justified, versus going out and burning down someone's business or home, someone who has not been oppressing you, that right. is not a vengeance issue. And by the way, even if it is vengeance, right. that's not how we do things. Yeah, we right? trust that to the governing authorities. Correct. That's their job. Right. So these people are not, um, they're not seeking justice. They're, they're seeking an overthrow of the system. And that's not me maligning them. That's not me slandering them. That's their own words. We want to dismantle. We want to deconstruct. We want to defund. We want to cancel. Um, that's a very different thing than something like the Revolutionary War, which I think we've talked about at some point, or take Bonhoeffer, where you've got a free society that is now being enslaved by Hitler, and he wants to stay free. He wants to keep justice. He wants to keep freedom and liberty. And Hitler is an obstacle to that. So now, there's a lot more we could do with this. Right. But at where the rubber meets the road, Rafe, this is what I'm going to say. Rioting, protesting, protesting, I'm going to say biblically, constitutionally, have at it. I don't always think it's the most um, effective. effective. And, and I, I would say might not even always be the most biblical. Okay. Sure. That being said, advocating in front of a city council, right. have at it. Right. Now you're using the legal means of government. I think right. that's good. I've got nothing against protesters. I want to make that clear. Right. I just, you're not going to usually find me out on the streets. It's not my style. I like to, anyway. Right. That being said, um, rioting, absolutely not. Looting, no way. 
burning down a building and saying that because you didn't harm anybody physically that that's somehow not violence, totally wrong. Yeah. You your category is all wrong. You don't get to destroy somebody's livelihood because something happened over here in another city where there was something that you perceive as injustice. Yeah. That's that's not how things work. Yeah. And and deep down, I'm going to say that the leaders of this movement, the people at the top, 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 yeah. they know that. Right. I think that they know that. I think that their goal is to burn down the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's so hard here, and we got to wrap up here in a second. Yeah. I pick my daughter from school. Um, but what's so hard here is that there's there's two different um, the way I see it, there's a number of different categories of folks participating in the rioting. Yeah. And, and, and just to summarize, I, I'm 100 percent with you. Mm -hmm. Christians should not be participating or celebrating rioting that's taking place. Right. What Christians can do at this point, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to listen and try to understand where people are at. We yes. should be doing worldview analysis. Yes. Rioting is uh, a wrong and sinful expression of actual things people believe they're going through. And mm -hmm. if we're going to be Christians, we should have listening ears. Sympathy. We, should, we should have compassion. We have yes. empathy. And we should listen, learn, yes. and, and and filter everything to the Word of God yeah. and be be students of data. What, what are we actually learning? But we don't participate in it. Mm -hmm. And I think... Uh, one of the challenges I want to give to folks is, as we're wrapping this up is I just want to make sure that what folks are hearing is there's a clarity of no, we don't use sin as a means to an end. Um, yes, we can condemn sin when we see sin. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to like be afraid to say, wait, that's wrong. Right. We shouldn't do that. Right. And at the same time, Christians are the best at listening and learning yes. and asking poignant questions Quick and to pointing listen, people so to, to Jesus and saying, Jesus actually is going to give you what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. It's within the church. What you are striving Boom. for, it's Jesus' death and resurrection that unites people. Mm -hmm. That's the history. That's our church. That is the church. And even when the church gets it wrong, it's because they don't live, they don't live up to the standards mm -hmm. that Jesus set for them. Yeah. But when churches get it right, it's beautiful, and it's the only place you're going to find it. Yes. And so that's what we got to be pointing people to. Yeah. It's the proclamation. And that's exactly what Peter did, by the yes. way. When you saw him say, you killed him. But this is the one who actually heals people. Mm -hmm. He's right then and there saying, I can't submit to you. I have to submit to my God. Yeah. But I want you to know all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to live for. Psalm 99, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Right. In real time, right now, when we are oppressed or when we see others being oppressed, we bring them to the Lord. We go to the Lord right. Jesus Christ. He lifts our burdens. Um, brother, that's a good gospel word at the end there. Good. Um, we need to be praying for our city. Yes. We need to be praying for your for your city. Pray for your city. And if you're a believer and you're part of a church, which you should be, if you're not, get part of a church. Talk to your pastor about how you can work within government for good and 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 always do it in Jesus' name, bringing the gospel to bear. It's it's more effective. It's more biblical. It's more righteous than rioting. Christians shouldn't be rioting, but Christians should be working to see justice enacted in the world. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Connect with the Think Institute by going to thethink.institute. Get all of our back catalog of podcasts by going to thethink.institute slash podcast. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, ThinkSpot, Parlor, all the things. Check us out. Go to rafechennery.com for more great quality from Pastor, Pastor Rafe. Rafe. And um, that's about all we have for you today. So um, this is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. Until next time, I hope it makes you think.